Okay, if you would open at this time to Mark chapter 3, we'll polish that off and we'll jump right in to Mark chapter 4. Let's, I think we'll read first, then I'll pray, okay? We ended with verse 30 last week in our teaching, so we'll be in Mark chapter 3 and we'll start in verse 31. And I'll read the first 20 verses of chapter 4 as well. A lot of content today. Okay, if we would give our attention to the reading of God's word, there came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother and my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Chapter 4, verse 1. He began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. He taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Behold, hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath an ear, ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, they that were uh, about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you is given uh, the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted, and their sin should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And there are they, and these are they by the wayside when the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time, and afterward when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, and entering in choke the word, and becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some in hundred. It's kind of an awkward place to stop, but there's no real great landing place there, so we'll, you know, we have to take some kind of you know chunk at a time, so I thought that was a good place to end it. So let's pray. Father, we pl- I mean, we're here for a reason, and, and your word is your word. We take it very seriously, Lord. And we want to be Bible people. And I believe, Lord, that the Spirit of God wants to bless us this morning with rich blessing. And that as deep, you know, 
speaketh unto deep, Lord, that place that only you can go in our hearts, I pray that it would be open and available to you and you would speak, Lord, and, and give us an understanding of these things here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. And Lord, for Randy's mom, we love that there's a good report, but as our brother said, she's not out of the woods yet, so we pray, Lord, health, strength, Lord, that she would continue to improve, that she would gain and ultimately be out of the hospital very soon, 100% healed. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this is a kind of a interesting thing to me, our first look, our first little vignette, as it were. There came unto him his brother and his mother, and they're outside, and they call to him, right? So they send some messengers. What are they there for? It doesn't say. Can I, can I take an estimated guess? Last week, verse 21, when his friends heard of it, what of it what? And the multitude cometh together so they could not so much as eat bread. So he's not taking care of the daily necessities. He's, he's you know, so interested in preaching the kingdom. What, what's going on? Other things are, are, are not getting taken care of did his friends know that in chapter 2 he said therefore the son of man is lord also of the sabbath and i suggested last week that they're here they're his friends and they say all right jesus let's they're going to corral him take him back to the convalescent home put him in a, a bathrobe some fuzzy slippers give him some crackers some warm milk let's calm down the lord of the sabbath huh? you're lord of a whole day of a week now okay you're not even looking you're so intent on ministry you're not even eating uh let's let's put things back in perspective and he would have none of it he knows what he's here for and he knows what he's all about may i suggest possibly mom and brothers are here for the same reason they said maybe sent emissaries and jesus wouldn't have anything to do with it but now the the big guns are here okay let's let's corral him let's you're saying what well, you don't think they believe in him well i'm i'm scripturally sure that at this point his brothers don't believe in him in our weekly reading he's going up to the feast of tabernacles and his brothers are saying to him almost tauntingly hey why don't you go up and show yourself you know you missed a big prophet there well you don't want to miss this festival he goes you go uh, and i'll be up later kind of thing and it scripture clearly says because his brethren did not believe in him after the resurrection they would believe Imagine having your older brother is, is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the creator of the universe, and not knowing it. That'd be an, an eye-opener. When he rose from the dead, and Scripture says he specifically met with his brother James, and who knows, others. And they became believers. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. But, and his brother Jude wrote the book of Jude. So they, I think they all get on board, but at this point, and who knows, you know, his mom, who's treasuring all these things in her heart, who knows what her disposition is? Is she listening to the brothers? Yeah, I think he's, he's, he's beside himself, is what, is what they said in verse 21. They have the same thought. I, I don't know that. I almost think so, though. But anyway, they're not coming for a visit. They're coming to, you know, get hold of him, if, if you ask me. Now, it's... it's disparaging to some that we would not perpetuate 
the ungodly mythos of the perpetual virginity of Mary. That would, that would be disparaging. Oh, you're, you're saying bad things about Mary. I don't think it's... I, I want to say this just right. I want to thread this needle in a way that's... It doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to be, I'm going to be beat like a pinata. I might as well just, you know, rush in where angels fear to tread. Who cares, right? Um, I was of that persuasion. Now, I don't think it's a healthy or a good thing. Like if a couple were coming to me for marriage counsel and, you know, the idea of virginity came up and the young lady said to me, I am absolutely virgin. I'm committed to it. I'm like, good, good. That's what we want. Good. Who's your dad? Good dad. I want to pat him on the back. He's done good. And she said, she'll go on to say, even after marriage, I think virginity is a good thing. I would not marry them. I would, I would, I would counsel her and say, uh, okay, this is, this is, and I would show scripture why, you know, your body's not your own, it's your husband's. You know, uh, God invented sex, there's nothing bad about it. Um, that idea of elevation, you know, perpetual virginity. That's, I remember, I think I was in the fourth grade and, uh, and it was a parochial school and the nuns were teaching on this and they said that virginity is the sought after thing. It's a wonderful thing. That's why priests and nuns are so godly and so good. They've put aside the sins of the flesh to, you know, totally just, can, you know, be in God's service the whole time. And even married people, even if you could abstain from sex after marriage, you know, and you would perpetually be virgin. This is fourth grade, you know. And I had determined at that point that I would not marry a Catholic girl in any circumstances because they might be in this class or listening to this and then I'd be sunk eternal. Even in the fourth grade, I thought, like, that's a bad idea. And, uh, um, and so I didn't marry a Catholic girl, by the way. Uh, much to the chagrin of my uh, parents and others in my life. Uh, but it worked out okay, my thinking. So there we go. Um, no, it's not disparaging. If, you know, perpetual virginity is... Why does that make somebody holier? It makes them... Poor Joseph. Oh, no, no. He, they put that aside. So, so, why? Like, like as if, if like, like I, again, God invented sex. We're not prudes here. Uh, God invented sex. Hey, God, awesome, thank you, appreciate. I mean, you know, uh, we could procreate like paramecium or like plants. God made it different. Yay, God. Anyway, I'm not going to say, if I say more, I'm going to have to fire myself. Let's keep moving, okay? Uh, who's my mother or my brethren? And the people around him going, who is his mother? Wait, wait, what even kind of question is that? You don't know who your mom is? Yeah, maybe that, uh, you know, sedate and let's quiet. Uh, you know, he's, he's launching into something here. Who is my mother or my brethren anyway? And then he goes to say, okay, see these right here? Look. This is my mom and this is my brother. And one here is going, who, us? Wait, what's going on here? For whoever, whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister and my mother. And he's forever altered our perception about the family of God. I have brothers. 
I got four flesh and blood brothers, okay? And I like them well enough. They're all gentlemen and good, as we say, good people, you know. If one of them moved next to me, it wouldn't be <gasps> catastrophic. They're going to have, you know, wild parties and drugs are going to be flowing in. Uh, no, nothing like that. But I have people, there, there are people here, right here, under the sound of my voice, right here, right now, who are closer to me than my flesh and blood brothers. And I'm going to be with you guys, like, forever. And I'm okay with that. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to that. Not only we cl- we're closer, we're like, because we, on a soul level, it's not just DNA. I mean, on a DNA level, we all got off the, off the boat on Ararat together. We're all the same DNA, a little further apart, a little closer, you know, and if that sort of thing is important to you. I think we make too much of DNA. But anyway, um, the eternal, the, the soulish, the, that which is, it lasts forever, he says, that's the important thing. Physical? Well, now, you just heard me, like, I don't, don't be a good mom because your kids aren't going to be with you forever. No, put everything in perspective is what I'm saying. And that has a, an effect on our relationships, and it really does. And I think, you know, one, God first, because if we don't maintain this, all the other relationships are going to suffer. And then our, our spouses, and then our kids. No, kids and spouses. <laughs> no, it's exactly wrong. If you really want to be a godly mom and a godly dad, you show your children what a godly marriage looks like because when the kids are out and gone, you still got this one flesh relationship going and you want to do that really right. And that's, that's really, really important. And when the, your life is all about the kids, when they leave, why are we hanging together again? What's that all about? Now, mom's switch never gets turned off, I've come to realize, right? She's going to be a mom till the day she dies. And that's fine. I don't think that's a, a bad thing. But again, you know, and I'm not saying, okay, you know, your, your children are unbelievers, therefore just cast them aside. Nobody's saying that. I'm saying eternal relationships. Let's look at, put, put it this way. You ever heard the old... Um, blood is thicker than water. Spirit is thicker than blood. That's kind of what I'm saying here. I think that's what Jesus is saying. And it certainly weighs more in the sense of like the eternalness of it. Chapter 4. He began again to teach by the seaside. This is a standard MO. There was gathering him a great multitude. We've seen this before. Um, not much commentary here, so that he entered into a ship, sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine. Now, parables are new. Why? Because of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at this specifically in the Gospel of Matthew, and we won't reiterate here. But he covers it, and so I'll cover it again. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit happened, and now he's teaching them in parables. And we'll even see it here this morning. So here's the parable. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. It came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. 
Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, good day. You all done. <laughs> you got ears to hear? Hear it. Wait, what? <laughs> and some, I'm sure, said, huh, whatevs. Um, okay, but uh, sowing, sower, dirt, choked, earth, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Whatever. And they were out of there. And that's the whole thing. When he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve. So now we have the twelve, the apostles are with him. And there's others here. And I'm sure the others are like, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second. Okay, we got the download. We have some questions here. Let's kind of go over this again. That's the nature of this. That with the twelve, they asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that with, are without, all things are done in parables. And there's a reason for that. What's the reason? That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Wait. At first blush, doesn't that sound like Jesus is withholding information and doesn't want them to be converted? Well, let's blush again. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6, okay? Because uh, the end game is God would that none should perish, okay? This makes it sound like you know, there's a selection going on here. He didn't select me. I didn't, my number didn't come up. Eternally, I am, my goose is cooked. Thanks, I'm kind of, ugh, man, that's, that's no good. I'm the without, and these things are held back. You're the select, and you get the, you get the bonus. Let's, let's disenfranchise people of that. Chapter 6, very famous. Uh, let's start right in verse 1. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord also sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up in his train. His glory filled the temple. Look, um, this is Isaiah. This is the, his, his call as a prophet. Very, very familiar passage. And I'm not going to... I mean, if you go here, right, that's the whole study today. I'll, we'll go through it brief. Uh, and, and so above, above it, that's the, uh, is the glory of the temple, the throne. Above it, the throne stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Um, so he has this incredible vision of the holiness of the Lord of armies, Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. By the way, that leaves all of us without an excuse, those who don't believe God. Okay, the post of the door moved at the voice of him. I, mean, this is, this is, I don't know if you get this kind of 
imagery going on in your head and you can picture this and you can see this and the whole, uh, it's beyond all imagination. I hope you can do something with it. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. Incense may, may kind of give you that, may suggest itself. Then when he sees this thrice holy God, this, this one who fills the whole of creation with his glory, he looks at himself and he says, woe is me, I'm undone. Every time we bump in against the glory of God, you know, and Elijah hit his face in his mantle, and Daniel's on the floor, and, and John, you know, falls at the feet of him on, at Patmos, and every time, all through Scripture, this is a recurring theme, all the time, all the time, all the time. We understand God's holiness. We understand our lack of holiness. I'm undone. Oh, oh, it's not going to go well for me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live, in the, uh, I, I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Now, I heard one Calvary Chapel preacher said, you know, his problem was he was, he was foul mouth. He was, I live in, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like he was always potty mouth. He's always swearing stuff like this. I don't think that's it at all because I've told by several, one Jewish person told me this, and I've checked it out with several other Jewish people. There's no swears in Hebrew. You've got to go outside the language to swear. And I said, one guy said, is that right? He goes, oh, but don't worry. You've, you Americans have supplied us with plethora. You don't have to, we, we can't swear in Hebrew, but if we, swear, get, we speak the English, we can swear all we want. I mean, there's so many, you know what I mean? And in Hebrew, there's no, I don't think, it, he's saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. Lack of purity, lack of holiness, lack of awareness of the holiness of God. And my, and everyone around me, they're not aware of God's holiness. I told, I was talking to somebody this week, I was working with a guy, easily one of the most coarse, perverse, I don't know how else to say it, just spew, <laughs> just, ugh. It's defiling, you know. Uh, no, we're, 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 if we're, if we're going to talk about the things of God, we should have a language that, you know, is given to those things that, you know, uh, we can't be dropping expletives and we shouldn't surely take the Lord's name in vain and talk about the things of God. That's just ridiculous. Out of the same fountain, bitter and sweet water, it's, it's not to be. But he's aware of his own unworthiness. I live in the midst of a people. My eyes have seen the king of the Lord of hosts. I, I, I can't go on. This is crazy. I, I, I'm, my, my eyeball is going to melt out of my head. I'm so sinful. I so shouldn't be here. And flew one of the seraphims under me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken off from, with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips. Thy iniquity is taken away. Thy sin purged. Now, nothing can do that but the blood of Jesus. Symbolic of being born again, of a new start, okay? Because look at he says, uh, my lips, it's touched my lips. My iniquity is taken away. My sin is purged. And this is a picture of born again. Now I have the message. Now I can carry the message. Uh, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And said, I, here am I, send me. Hey, look, I'm this purge guy here, okay? And I'm so willing. You know, the best, uh, 
you know, ability is availability. You know, uh, we don't all, uh, we don't all have a lot of, but show up. Be there for the Lord. Lord, I, I want to do your will. I, I, I want to be used. I want to be, and all the gifts and the natural talents and stuff. He'll do what he has to do to get with you, to get you to where you need to be to, to, in service for him. But here's a willingness. Hey, you know, I mean, you went through all this whole thing, this elaborate. Send me. I think that's just. I okay. You'll get it or you won't. I don't. I don't know. Then he said, "Okay, I mean, there's okay implied here, right? Go and tell this people. Hear ye, indeed." But understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert, and be healed. What's he saying? He said, I got a message for you. They're not going to receive it. He said the same thing, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a hard book to, we're in that devotionally now in our year through the Bible, right? All of us were in the same place. Jeremiah's hard. You're going to tell all these people and they're going to be against you adamantly so. And they are not going to hear. And we see, you know, Jeremiah thrown in the dungeon. And he's a, you know, he's a, he's, he's a anti Israelite. He's, he's, he's given to the other side. He's, he's not patriotic. He's given a message of repentance and the Babylonians are going to come. And That's God's message. What's God's message for America today? Well, that's a story for another time. I mean, and it really is, but it, it's not a pretty one. It's not a pretty one. Blessed is the, is the, is the people whose God is the Lord. We threw him out of school back in, when I was a four-year-old, and we've been throwing them out of every institution since. And if you want to know the, the deplorableness of the country, it's not because of who was elected president. Well, that, in my humble opinion, that didn't help. It's, you know, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. We put God first. I don't think God's the Lord of the church. I don't think God, I don't think God's the Lord of the Church of Jesus Christ. I heard an interesting thing this week. Okay, I was listening to Jimmy Evans' Tipping Point, and you should get that podcast and listen to it. Brothers got some interesting things to say. So he said seventy. Bana says seventy percent of those who claim to be born again Christians. Listen to what I'm saying now. This should shock you and appall you. It should. Seventy percent of those who claim to be born again Christians. I'm not saying 70% of the population. 70% of those who say, I trust Jesus Christ for my salvation. I've had a born-again experience, and I believe based on that I'm going to heaven. 70% of that group, you say, brothers and sisters, let God be the judge of that. 70% of that group says they don't believe in the exclusivity of the claims of Jesus Christ in the sense that he's the only way to heaven. Now listen to what I just said. 70% of those who say they're born again in Christ say, you know, Muhammad, just as valid, Buddha, whatever you got, whatever train you're on, we're all going to get there eventually. I know, right? 
70% of the truth people, the church of Jesus Christ, are heretics. Neither is there salvation in any other. Let's be clear about this. There is none other name given among heaven whereby we must be saved. By the way, why did you choose Christianity? It's the hardest one. And why did God brutalize Jesus Christ on the cross if there was another way? Do you remember Jesus sweating blood in Gethsemane? Father, look, if you've got plan B, now's the time to pull it out because I do not want to do this. I do not. And what, did he, what was he all freaked out about? The, the nails and the thorns? I don't think he thought those were pleasant things. But I thought what made Jesus, I say freaked out, and I say that in a very... You know, I'm not trying to ever be insensitive to or diminish his glory or his greatness. But I think freaked out is absolutely the right word. He was going to be separated from God for the first time ever. And I don't think he was very excited about that prospect. He was going to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because at some point he became sin for us and God forsook him. And I think that's what was the big hang-up, okay? Anyway, I don't know how I got there. 70%. So, so listen, it's not that like, uh, um, go and tell people, hear indeed, but understand not. See you and, and, and but proceed not. It's not that it's like, that's my heart's desire, but it's what's going to happen. It's what's going to happen in the life of Isaiah, and we read it, and that's what happened, and it's going to happen in the life of Jeremiah, and we read the book of Jeremiah, and it's what happened. And here, he's, it's, I think it's a grace more than anything else, because when he says, um, when they were alone, they asked him about the parable, unto you is given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all things are done in parables. Well, wait a second. First of all, it sets up a class. There's us and there's them, right? No, 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 no. No, no, and no. You're chosen because you're here. You're the ones asking. You say, I don't get it. I don't know about this soil and what was that all about? Unto you who are here, who want to know, it is, it is given to know the mystery of God. I mean, because the majority of the crowd listened to all that and said, all right, see ya. And it wasn't given to them. Like, like, like God was withholding? Well, in a sense he was, because now, once they've said, um, uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's a new day. He's only going to speak in them in parables. And I think it's a grace because from now on, everything you hear, everything you understand, you perceive, you're judged for. Let's look at the parable because I think this is the, what it's all about here. Um, all these things are done in parables that seeing that they may see and not perceive, because I don't want to heap more judgment on them. And hearing they may hear and not understand, because again, same thing, lest any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them, which is, is, the, is the end goal. It always is. It's not God holding some at arm's length because there's unkindness and some of us... I'm on the A-list. Yay. You? Well, not so sure. Really? God's not... No respecter of persons. God's not willing that any should perish. 
Some people want to know. Some people stand, stand around. They ask the right questions. They want to, Lord, I, I can't, I don't know that. I'm not living with that. Can you get me to the next step? Can you tell me what you mean? Can you guide me in this? We call it doing life together. Will he? That's the whole thing. That's why it's not religion. That's why it's relationship. We go over this all the time. And, I, and you're sick of me saying it. I'm sick of me saying it too. So let's keep moving. He said, no, you're not this parable. How then will you know all parables? He just gave us a large hint that this is kind of a key to a lot of parables. What do you mean? Well, the, the Satan comes and he takes away the word. Satan is characterized by the birds. Well, how about in, um, look at verse 30. This is for next week. Whereunto shall we like the kingdom of God? Or with what uh, comparison shall we compare? You know, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Yeah, it's a good thing. We go into all the world and we just make all these inroads and wait a second, the fowls of the air are bad guys. They're emissaries of Satan in this first parable. How come they're good guys in verse 32? I don't think they are i think the church is that it goes in all these different places becomes freakishly large even so that the unclean fowls of the air can lodge in the branches and they do what do you mean 70 percent of the people think that any port in a storm any ship will get you there hmm and we see that most of christianity isn't isn't christian i'm not being judgmental i was okay this catholic boy married a protestant girl and neither one of us were christian and so uh, this there's plenty of blame to go around there's plenty of uh, you know hey i'm catholic so i'm the real deal you're a protestant she says nah you ain't even nothing close to the real deal and she's protestant and neither one of us between two of us had a clue and we we're way away from god and if somebody took a poll, we're both Christians, although we're not either one of us. In my house, when we married, 100% of the marriage was not Christian. Anyway. Oh, let's keep moving. You've you got to know this because it, it's key to so many parables. The sower soweth the word. One of the questions, homework, is who's the sower? And I won't touch that right now. It's homework. These are they by the wayside when the word is sown. The wayside, the path, the packed down place, okay? Uh, when they hear it, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. That happens all the time, okay? That happens all the time. I've been doing this a long time. That happens all the time. This, this hardness of heart and it's not, it's, there's nothing I can do. It's the work of the Spirit of God or it's not. Satan's very adept at removing the Word. Uh, I think sometimes like people have heard the Gospel and the Spirit of God is working on somebody and they're saying like, oh, I know I should get saved. I know I should get saved. And they're clinging on to this sin tenaciously and their self-determination. And if I call him Lord, he's the master and I'm not the master anymore. And they're just, and they white knuckle their way through it. Yay, they won. Did they? No, they lost. And next battle of the soul, it's a little easier. And then after a while, they're very, very capable 
of resisting the Holy Spirit of God, and they've got a hard heart. And Satan easily, hey, that word, it's got, that's got life in it. That's seed. You get that in the right ground, oh my goodness, really great things are going to happen. Satan won't allow that. Is this God saying this is the conditions that are? Because I want to tell you, these conditions are, I've seen it. Uh, Jesus is a prophet. He knows what he's talking about because I've seen this firsthand. I've seen this. This is absolutely correct. And God's just telling us, hey, there's these types of soil, there's these types of soil, there's these types. Eh, it's what it is. It is what it is, God's saying. Or is he saying, don't let Satan take the word away from you. Don't let your heart be hard. Don't, don't get to that spot where, you're, you know, everything's a joke and stuff. You aren't going to be laughing eternally. You, you know, you're going to rue that hard heart someday. You're going you're gonna to lament the fact that you let Satan take this precious seed and take it right away from you. Is God challenging you that? Because I think that's, other than that, it's like, this is interesting, but no benefit to us. I hope I'm the fourth soil. That's all I can say. I don't think it's like that. I think he's, he's saying, and Satan is just responsible for so much, and we let him, and we let him. Who's Lord of our life, after all? Is it Jesus Christ? Is it Satan? We let him Rule impossible. He has no business. He's a usurper. He's a thief. He steal, kill, destroy boy. And we let him, after God has given us power, authority over snakes and scorpions. Somebody should say amen to that. I don't know. Let's keep moving here. The, Satan comes, he immediately takes the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise, which are sown of stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Okay, stony ground, there's a little veneer of soil there, but then there's rock underneath. You're not going to get a lot of good root structure. You know, you're gonna, it looks going to look like life. And by the way, you know, this one is born again, this one loses salvation, this one isn't born again at all. Is life here? Is this life? At? I don't think the parable gives itself to that. You can make all these distinctions. I don't think you're here. But I know some people who, you know, look like they received the word. Their batteries are charged. They're baptized. They're every time the door's open, they're all excited. They're just praising God. It's all good. There's no root, though. They have no root in themselves. So endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Oh, this is so great. I'm going to go tell my mom. I'm going to tell all my friends. I'm going to, oh, this is going to be so good. And then persecution. And they wither like, just do a disappearing act. My mom, I got saved. I got born again. Tell your friends like, hey, you know, uh, Adam, this guy, he was, he was preaching on Mark and this was fabulous and I got saved. And Mark? Yeah, and the Bible. The Bible? You what are you, some sort of rube? You believe in the Bible? That book was written by men a long time ago. Uh, and it was written uh, for this reason, this reason. And, uh, and your friends are not going to celebrate your, your new birth in Christ. Neither will mom, by the way. I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> She's still uh, hoping it's a phase I'm going through for the last 42 years. I'll grow out of it any time. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're shaking your head. Yeah, it is sad. It is sad. But but what? Look, 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 look. Let me put it this way. 
the God who is, the God of the universe, the glorious one. You remember, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That God, right, says, hey, 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 Adam, follow me. Just like Levi of old, follow me, let's do life together. No way. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. The, the God of glory, the creator, the, the, the savior of the world, that God wants to do life together with me. Do you know who I am? Oh, I totally know who you are. But I'm a man of unclean. I got the solution. Don't you worry about it. I want you, I want you to fellowship with me. I want you to follow me. I want you to do life together with me. Hey, mom, guess what? I get. And mom's not so excited. Well, God, I, I know, but... Look, maybe when mom's more, really, really, really? You that? I hope you're a devoted son and a devoted daughter. I hope so. But really, my mommy's upset, Jesus. I don't think I can follow you today. Really? Yeah, you, you go, go be with mom. Have a good whatever. There's some people like, no, I'm going to follow this God. He wants to do life with me. This is, everything else is just, just took way second position. All relationships, unimportant. Who's my mother? Who's my brother? <laughs> I got a whole new set now. Uh, now everything changes. Everything changes. If any man be Christ, he's a new creation. This isn't just like a, uh, I had a little eye opening, I'm woke now, or I had a, I had a, no, this is new life, total new. And, and so, and I think what he's saying here is don't let, don't let that, you know, uh, you know, rise up all of a sudden and, and then that affliction, the persecution come. I'm telling you it's going to come. You want to get offended at that? I'm offended because of Jesus. Somebody called me a Christian the other day and they laughed at me. And I just take a mite all or something, friend. You got you serious? Because anyway, all right. They have no root in themselves. How do you put down roots? Read this word. Love it. Live it. Affliction. I guarantee it. Persecution, bring it. All that live, would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We know it. Plus they, men, you know, they, they say all manner of evil against you falsely. They harass you. They persecute you for Jesus' name's sake. So it's, it's a coveted position. I'm telling you. you read, uh, read it in Matthew. We went over that a few weeks ago. And these are they which are sown among thorns. I just hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things, and entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Will Cass, who's a prophet in my estimation, he says that when somebody gets born again, you know what will happen? Invariably, a new job, member of the opposite sex, or a cult will come visiting. Satan is not indifferent to our receiving the word. So somebody gets born, legitimately born again. And she's not the prettiest thing in the whole world. But all of a sudden, this 
stud comes and starts sidling up next. Hey, why don't we go out and stuff like, oh, no, I'm going to church Wednesday night. You're going to what? You're going to, <laughs> you're clowning. Yeah, I was just clowning. Now, uh, you know, she's going to invite him to church, and now they're off clubbing stuff like that. Or she gets the job, or he gets the job, and they're working all Sundays so that, you know, I'd really like to do the things of God. Listen, it's the easiest thing in the world to fall away from. Gravity will take you away. You have to work to maintain a spiritual life. You can't, it, it's, the default button is not set on spiritual, it's set on the fleshly. That which is, you know, you know, I don't even have to go into that, you know that. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Well, I gotta make a, I gotta earn a living, don't I? Do you? You gotta enjoy God. You gotta, you gotta exalt Him and you can enjoy Him eternally. That's what you gotta do. You gotta do life with God. That's what you gotta do. Should you pay your bills? Oh, sure. Come on. Nobody's saying different. Should you clean your house? Oh, I got a devotions today. I can't uh, dust. Well, whatever. You know what I mean? But, First things first, living life with the Lord. I, I'll tell you about my future robot Martian golf dream some other time. But, but it was the upshot of it was just distractions. To get, and I really had this dream last night too. It was weird. Anyway, um, distractions to keep us doing things, even the things that we enjoy, but that we can't do the things that we need to do and spend time in the Word and spend time in prayer and fellowship. And I think the whole world is, is geared up for that. You know, I want to pray, but yeah, TV's on. My show's coming on in a couple minutes, so we're binge-watching whatever we're on right now. And I really, the things I need to do, they just never get done. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things. Don't let the word in your life be choked out by that which is so much less. Now, these are they which are sown on good ground. You make it good. It's choices. Life's choices. That's all it is. And if you hear the word, you receive it. You let it work in your life. You obey it. You love it. You live in it. You revel in it you study it you 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 look at the world through book chapter and verse eyes what's going to happen fruit and and it looks like 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold. it looks like you know well i let 100 people to the lord today i don't think that's what it's saying remember the fruit of the spirit is love peace joy gentleness good and on like that love love isn't increasing in my life and peace fear Oh, fear, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Peace is increasing in my life. Is that 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold? I think so. Um, will that sort of life attract others? Why don't we just live it and, and find out? Because I really think at the end of the day, a loving life trumps all others. You, you be the man, the woman of love that God's called us to be. And people will be attracted to that light. Uh, is a candle <laughs> brought to be? Now he's talking about light, right? So we'll, we'll get there next week. So I'm asked the, uh, let's, why don't we stand and pray? We'll give the, the benediction and uh, the worship uh, team's going to come and send us out of here.
singing to this glorious creator, savior God, who is awesome beyond adjectives. We try to describe his glory, his wonderfulness, but we, we, you see we run out of words early on in the process, don't we? Father, we thank you for the word, and I, I pray that it would find a home in our hearts, that we won't let Satan come and steal it. We won't let deceitfulness of riches and all these things, Lord, would choke the word out. And again, Satan's not... He wants to take the word away from us. But we won't let him. You've given us power. Tread on snakes and scorpions. And what you've given us, Lord, is our portion. And we, we take it. We take it to heart. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.